This episode is sponsored by Contently. Contently has a platform for brands like Google and Dell and Marriott and more, enterprise companies that have a sophisticated approach to content marketing. And with this platform, they not only provide workflow efficiencies, but they help you understand what types of content will resonate deepest on what channels with your specific audience. That's the power of their technology. But for 3Clips listeners, they thought the best thing they provide is actually a free content strategy course, which they put together by running around the streets of New York using lots of metaphors and funny videos, but also very insightful things. I mean, the folks at Contently are some of my oldest friends in content marketing, and they quite frankly put together something smart and entertaining with this course. It's free to take it. You'll learn the end-to-end strategies driving some of their most successful brand clients. And while there's a form required to enter this course, Contently is also famous for having written against the abuse that marketers go through when they fill out a form. I'm assured by Contently that if you fill out the form, it's only for more content. You're not going to get a call from a sales rep the very next minute. So check out Contently not only for their technology, but for this content strategy course and support our show by visiting the site contently.com slash three clips. That's the number three, the word clips, contently.com slash three clips and learn how some of the most creative, successful content marketers in the world do what they do. Never again. That's what I wish I said when I was a younger marketer trying to figure out how to report the success and the measurement of my work. We get into these habits of marketing reporting, where we're back on our heels, where we're trying to advocate for good work, and I totally get why, but yet we don't necessarily have the tools at our disposal to look somebody in the eye and say, here's the actual impact that we're having. I think the big culprit here is that as marketers, we either talk about activities instead of impact, or to describe impact, we try to measure totals, more things, more downloads, a bigger list, and on and on. Well, instead of measuring totals, I think we should measure value. Because if we can find something that's actually valuable to our show, to our brands, to the customer, we can then worry about growing what is proven. But there we go again, looking at total downloads. It's maddening. It's a nightmare. And by the way, it's not overly helpful to look at downloads. It's directional at best. Downloads simply mean the file has been localized. Sometimes that happens automatically by somebody's podcast player. All of the podcasts I subscribe to are downloaded automatically. I subscribe to probably 12 to 15 shows, and I probably listen to, I don't know, half of those on a regular basis. So now you want to measure listens. But listens doesn't tell the whole story because what happens after they listen? Do they become more loyal? Do they actually become more valuable to the brand? And anyway, shouldn't we not just be looking to prove the value of our work? Shouldn't we be looking to measure something in order to get better at it? I mean, isn't that why we really should look for data? We want to move from data to insights to action. And that action should improve our work. So, Measuring a podcast is maddening. We are not going to solve it in this episode today, but we are going to talk to a woman who's building a company that in part is trying to crack this code. And we're going to hear from three other marketing leaders, three other people who are out there evangelizing the same things we talk about on three clips because this woman has interviewed those people on her show. Oh yeah, another podcast about podcasts. And together between me, our guest today, And those three voices, hopefully, we can at least provide some new ideas for you, as well as a huge helping of catharsis. This is Three Clips. Welcome to Three Clips. I'm Jay Akunzo, the founder of MarketingShowrunners.com. And at MSR, we are in the business of serving a very specific type of marketer, Somebody who sees their job as something grander than just selling more stuff. And oh, by the way, when they execute on this vision, they end up selling more stuff. So what's this vision that everybody shares? All our subscribers ranging from Red Bull, Amazon Prime Video, the New York Times, Salesforce, all the way down to startups and SMBs. What do we all share? We see our jobs as a way to find and share our voices with the world because we believe we have something important to say. We want to make a difference in the lives of those we aim to serve. And together with that audience, shift the culture for the better, whether that's in our specific niche or the world more broadly. So that's who we serve at Marketing Showrunners, and we believe that making a show is the best way to do that. We want to help you make your audience's favorite show so you can be their favorite brand. 
Okay, so today we're talking to Lindsay Chepkema, who's the co-founder and CEO of Casted. And if you've heard this show before, you've heard me say the name Casted because they are one of our sponsors. And so I just want to be totally clear Lindsay did not ask to be on this show. She had no say over whether she was on this show. She had no say over the way we crafted this, period. So here's why I wanted to talk to Lindsay. Lindsay also makes a podcast about podcasts. Season one was about marketers who host shows, and season two is about the showrunners behind the shows. And season two is coming out as we speak. Now, given the nature of Lindsay's business, they're building the world's first platform specifically for marketers who make shows. I wanted to talk to her about where the problem was. Why launch a yet another podcast technology? Because there are dozens of them already in existence, and I love what she said as an answer. We also debate the issues with measuring our shows and getting better data, but more importantly, what we should actually do with the data that we have. What's the point of this stuff anyway? And finally, I really like that we found this like clever way to deconstruct her show and use the clips from the Casted podcast. So without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Lindsay and the three clips that we picked from three of the smartest marketers and podcasters on the planet. This is this is super overdue, Lindsay, because everybody's been hearing me say cast it out loud into a microphone and you needed to appear on the show far sooner. But we were also waiting for a way to come at this in a clever fashion, true to three clips. And I think we found it. Um, so first of all, welcome. Thank you. I'm so I'm 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 fangirling a little bit to be here. I'm, I'm very excited. The uh, I appreciate you listening to the show and giving me feedback and, and lots of support. <laughs> uh, it goes both ways. So here's what we're gonna do. We, we are gonna play three clips of your show. We've kind of massaged the order in a little bit more of an overt way compared to some other episodes that I've done of the show because we're gonna get progressively closer to the frontline marketer who is struggling with measuring their podcast. So we're gonna start broad with somebody who is an unbelievable uh, resource and someone everyone should follow in the podcasting industry, talking broadly about podcasting. Then we're gonna get a little bit more narrow to somebody that is, I think, equally as knowledgeable about podcasting but has a marketing lens. Then the last and third clip, the third and last clip is gonna be somebody who was building one of the early branded podcasts and he, you're going to hear her talk about measurement. Mm -hmm. So it's going to get a little bit closer each time to, I think the, the listeners that we mostly have. And, but before we get there, I would love if you tell people not your whole backstory, but just your experience as a marketer making podcasts, because before you were leading a tech company, trying to solve some problems for podcasters, you yourself were a marketer working on a show. So what, what's your backstory and what did you notice as a result of that experience? That's right. Yeah. So backstory, I, 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 so you don't want me to talk about how I was born in Michigan and raised. <laughs> Start with marketing. Unless you were born to a family of podcasters. No. <laughs> Alas, I was not. I'm the first. Um, yeah. So I, like you said, I, I was a uh, marketing leader. Um, like so many of your listeners, um, I was leading a marketing team specifically. I started in, uh, leading a content marketing team um, at the previous company that I was with. And um, I, was, I was there for a couple of years, but in the last 12 months or so that I was there, I, I kind of had this realization. I'm a, first of all, I'm a fan of podcasts to begin with. And I had this realization that was like, you know, I'm, we're this company. We've been around for a couple of decades and we are literally missing a voice. Um, and so pushed for a podcast, uh, had the pleasure of, of seeing what it was like to launch one, to make it part of our overall strategy, to be the host. Um yeah, and it, it was it was a big learning. I, I learned really quickly the the good and and the bad. I I think it's familiar to most marketers that the the good is a sort of like emotionally sensed or perceived good, and the bad feels more like the cold hard facts of doing the job. So easy example is all these people are coming up to us at events or emailing us and there's such passion or people are posting on social media or I, I hear from folks. That's kind of the ref refrain in a more in-depth way than I ever have with a blog, let's say. And that's kind of this sensed or perceived idea that there's power here. And then you go in-house to other marketers or to your boss, and you're met with kind of a cold reality, which is, well, okay, if this is truly different and deeper, how does it show up in our numbers? And how do we use it, right? In other words, like bring it into a marketing context, what now? 
So I'm, I'm guessing you experienced some of that. I'd love if you have, do you have any examples of, of experiencing that? Get out of my head, Jay. Yeah, no, that's, that's literally exactly what happened. Um, I'm in, I'm in, a, I'm do, we're doing a podcast. We're literally in everybody's head. <laughs> I know, literally, yeah, you're in my ears. Um, yeah, that's, that's literally exactly what happened. So we launched this show. We were blowing all of our goals out of the water. Um, goals being number of downloads, because that's what we, you know, we're limited to. And, you know, we had, we had some great feedback from, we had 900 people around the world at this company, um, that were employees and they, you know, got great feedback about, uh, how people were listening in APAC and how people in Europe loved it. And, uh, things were going really great. And we had the shirts, we had the stickers, we had all kinds of, of great, like you said, anecdotal, um, feel good fuzzy feedback. And I was, I won't forget it. I was in, um, a one-on-one with my CEO who's great. And he loved the podcast and told me as such that he was like, I'm one of your biggest fans. I listen every week. Um, tell me what it's doing for the business. And I was like, well, you know, jazz hands, brand awareness. Right. Um, but he was like, yeah, but you know, we're a marketing technology company. Like we're, we're all about measurement. Surely we've got to be able to measure attribution or, or something like what's, what's it, how's it, how's it feeling pipeline? How's it, what's it doing for the business? And I said, well, it doesn't really work that way. Um, and on top of that, so kind of even stepping back from that a little bit, I quickly realized that in working with my team and the agency that we were working with, the the tools that were out there were just not made for us, like at all. Thus, the fact that we weren't getting the data that we needed um, in return, we were getting just a number of downloads, which wasn't what I needed, um, not only in that meeting with my CEO, obviously, but for myself and, and to be able to tell, say to myself how this was working and, and what it was doing for our strategy and um, our overall goals. So, yeah. So let me ask a question about that. The The starting point is you sort of, you feel something. And then the next step is now, how do you take that feeling and get data to support that feeling to those who don't feel it, right? That's kind of like mm-hmm. directionally what a lot of us struggle with. Um, here's a question I have, would it have been enough to have helped people who are asking for data to instead feel it the way you felt it? In other words, why are we saying there's such a visceral reaction to this? Everyone else wants cold, hard numbers. So we're going to give them cold, hard numbers. Shouldn't we be saying I'm as, as the host, I'm feeling the visceral reaction and to convince others it's worthy of doing, I need to have them feel the same emotion. Yes. And it w- wouldn't it be great to have some kind of data to go along with it that aligns with that emotion and that engagement? Well, I guess I guess what I'm asking is like, is there a scenario where we don't need numbers, but what we need to do is better capture the story of our shows and present the story to the powers that be? Um, do you remember like working for your old company? What slides you put together or discussions you had like what what was the story you were trying to tell of your show back then yeah pre-casted before before casted existed and therefore we didn't have it to be able to to lean on at all the story that i was trying to tell was look you know number of downloads equals people and devices that are pulling our show that we wouldn't have reached before you know this is this is a new channel um it is a larger net cast out into the world that we are getting in front of more people that we wouldn't have before. And that, that got me a little ways, but then I started this company, so it wasn't quite enough. (laughs) (laughs) Well, where, where was the opportunity? Like, what was the problem that you wanted to solve that you couldn't solve with stitching together tools meant for hobbyists or tools meant for the media? Like, where's the breakdown and why, why does the world need marketing specific podcast tech? Right. So I'd say it kind of boils down to two, two things that are very closely connected. One is that the the tools and technology and software that exists all, all around podcasting are not made for branded podcasts. They're not made for marketing teams that make shows on behalf of a brand. They're made for other, not not wrong, just different. They're made for people, um, quite often I found, my experience was that they're made for people that were soloists or hobbyists or um, people trying to build a podcast themselves and then monetize it by um, building a great, a huge audience and selling ads, right? Nothing wrong with that at all. But typically if you're a brand doing a show, you're not trying to make money off of ads from your, from your podcast. So one, the, the software that's out there around podcasting isn't made for that. It's not designed for that. So it doesn't do that at all, or at least not very well. And so two, when you use that, those tools and technologies, you aren't getting the kind of data um, that you want in return. You're not, it's not capturing what I need as a brand marketer. It's capturing, you know, number of downloads, which what does that even tell me? So, um, 
what I wanted to see was how is this show and how is it working as part of my overall content strategy and how is it impacting my brand? How is it leading to more engaged audience? How is it leading to, um, you know, more loyalty among my customers? So those who have listened to my podcast are more likely to buy are they more likely to stay with the brand? Are they more likely to have a great relationship with us? Are they more likely to be advocates? And there wasn't really a great way to do that because again, those tools weren't made for me. They weren't made to do that. All right, let, let's get into the clips. And actually, this is where we like to introduce the sound effect that we're going to use plucked from the eternal abyss of the internet, aka the website <laughs> freesound.org. And I should probably say it out loud because I'm talking to a bunch of podcasters who want to know where does the sound come from? So freesound.org. I picked out the perfect sound effect to take us into and out of our clips of your show. Let me just play it right now. Let me see if I'm going to play it and see if you can guess why I picked this one. So here it is. Okay. Any guesses as to why I picked that one? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So um, for those of you who may not know, you should know, and it's about time you did know, so I'm going to tell you. Um, <laughs> Casted, we have we have a I guess what has become an official. I kept saying unofficial, but it's pretty official mascot. Um, podcat. 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 Um, so that, that was you know podcat didn't have a voice until just now. I think you might have just found his voice. So podcat podcat is essentially <laughs> like a purple and green grumpy cat, really. If I look at the face, yeah. Yes. And actually, fun story on that. So we didn't set out and say like, oh, you know, we're a company now. We need a we need a mascot. Yeah. Uh, Actually, one of one of my co-founders, Adam, was writing on the board. He meant to write podcasts, and he wrote podcat instead. Um, and so our designer was sitting there, and as a, as designers do, Byron is his name. He um he was doodling, and he saw podcat up there, and drew a cat. And then he <laughs> we ended. Up, I think one of us saw it over his shoulder and was like, "What is that?" And he was like, "Oh, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing. I was, I was just doodling." And um. Before before he knew it, unbeknownst to him, like he podcat was a thing, and so now now podcat is, a, is our lovable mascot. So yes, I think I think you just found a voice for podcat. So we all owe Byron a great debt because podcat yes. is is the is awesome. So all right, yes. well let's go to the first clip. Um, just to tee it up, this is a clip from your episode with Tom Webster, who is the SVP at Edison Research, and he uh, has run well. Edison has run for like twenty plus years now. It's the longest continuously running study on podcasting and audio at large called The Infinite Dial. So if you don't know The Infinite Dial, we'll link to it in the show notes, but it's like the best resource mm -hmm. for uh, general industry research. So like the trends of overall podcast consumption, for example, um, doesn't break it down to industry, doesn't look at marketers specifically, but it's an incredible resource. And it's a live webinar that uh, Tom and his co-host, they use a lot of dry humor and bad dad jokes. I dig it. Same. Yeah, right. So anyways, Tom's an incredible resource and thinker. His articles on podcasting are tremendous too. Again, the broadest possible clips to start. Then we're going to go narrow to marketers with our second and third clips. So this is from an episode with Tom where he says something pretty cogent that I hadn't heard articulated in this way about how to think about and anchor your efforts around your podcast. So let me just play that clip and then we'll talk about it after. People don't encounter podcasts in the same way that they encounter blog posts or, or articles online, right? They're, you know, where people are searching for an answer to a problem and then a white paper gets served up by Google or a, a blog post gets served up by Google. That's not really how people are encountering podcasts. And I, I think the, the atomic unit of a podcast has to be the show. It has to be uh, how, you know, how are we going to challenge or entertain an audience and, and aggregate that audience uh, in a way that that keeps them engaged, and you know, podcasting to me has never really been a reach medium. It's always been an engagement medium, and and when you think of it that way, I I think you make better choices. So when you hear that clip, what comes to mind? So I think of let's see, actually another clip comes to mind, which is uh, something that Jay Bear said, which is you know, podcasting is the only medium, it's the only channel, it's the only type of content that you can consume when you're doing basically anything else, right? Whether you're mowing the lawn or folding laundry or sitting at your desk or driving. And um, I think that's that goes into what Tom is saying as well. It's it's It has to be thought of differently um, because consumption happens differently. Uh, your, your audience, your listener is in a different state of mind. They are open in a way that they likely 
are not when they're consuming other content. Um, they're also seeking something different. Um, even if they're like, I'm, I'm a big nerd and I listen to podcasts. I don't, I don't listen to entertainment ones. I listen to all business related shows and I'm still seeking something different. I'm seeking entertainment. I'm seeking engagement. I'm seeking connection. Um, and I'm seeking authenticity and that, that can't always be said for other types of content. So I think that when you're getting into the creation and then also looking to measure, you have to keep that kind of turned on its side form of, of content right. in mind. Right. We, I think we overvalue, you know, no, no disrespect to what Casted is doing because it's important. And this is a, a big vital piece of the overall puzzle, but we overvalue or at least start too quickly with the technology and with the measurement and the ROI and all that stuff. And I, I get why we do that. So we're like thinking about the end result, the technology to help us get there and measure it. Then we think about tactics. And what very rarely, if at all, gets our sort of like mental space is how we approach the thing totally transforms it. And so when you think about what Tom said, it is a resonance-based, engagement-based, depth-based medium in a world that's trending more shallow. And if you can nail it, the benefits are outstanding. I mean, if everybody is shouting with their voice into the wind, do you want to walk over and shout with them? Or do you want to like plug in an amp, take an electric guitar and start like wailing away at some awesome riff? Like you're going to stand way out. It's it's different than what everyone else is doing with their content to do a great show. Mm -hmm. So we have to acknowledge that this is different and approach it with the right mentality. Um, the atomic unit thing that Tom mentioned, I think that's really interesting too, because it speaks to the marketing of a show. Like you market the show. Very rarely are you marketing the blog or right. you know, sometimes you market the newsletter, but that's serialized too. Almost all the time, people self-select into the show. They may see you promote one episode and be like, oh, and on three clips, they do this all the time, right? So they're, they might see you talk about, we're talking to Lindsay from Casted. Oh, I like Lindsay from Casted, or I'm interested in podcast tech. And they might glance your way because of that, or the big guest, or the theme, or whatever. But when they decide to opt in and subscribe and engage, they're looking at, oh, this show is for me. So it's really not for breadth. It's really not for flight. It's for depth and resonance and the unit, therefore, of that depth and resonance. In other words, the thing people self-select into is an entirety of the project, the show, not one episode. Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. And and that that show is, and, and you touched on this, is about so much more than than the episode or even than the, uh, the sum of all the episodes. It's all of the supplemental uh, content around it too. Like you want people to... Ex to consume the entire experience. Um, right. And that's what they want too. Right. And I think something else that I always, I get on a soapbox around that I think is really related to this, which is uh, all around authentic conversations, right? People want to feel connected. It's, it's a, it's a need that we all have as, as humans. And that does, that need does not go away when we are, you know, air quotes here, you know, consuming content for business. Um, it's, it's something that we all really want and podcasts are really, really special in that, especially if it's an interview based, like what you and I are doing, you and I are just having a conversation and we, we do this quite regularly, actually, <laughs> you and I, you and I talk to each other and geek out about shows and podcasts and things. Um, but right now we are giving listeners the gift of listening in on this conversation and connecting with us and connecting with, with what we have to say. What a privilege to listen to my droning voice all the time. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So the really, the really, really cool thing about podcasts is that it allows people to listen in on a conversation, um, you know, that they wouldn't otherwise be a part of. And that goes above and beyond and, and is just different than any other type of content that's out there. It helps them to feel way more connected, not only to the hosts, but also to, also to the brands behind them. Right. And I, I do think to Tom's point, we're creating shows, right? So like, it's really hard when you introduce the concept of a microphone and somebody else listening in, it is really hard to mimic inviting a third person to you and me having a coffee, Lindsay, and like the way they would feel if we all chatted. Like, it's hard to do that 
as recorded content. And I think people devalue that. They're like, I could just fire up a microphone and record this and then transcribe it. And then it becomes a blog post and then everyone will love it. And what I think what Tom is also hinting at here is the atomic unit as the show is equal parts how people discover it and latch onto it and how we should too. Right. Like how we should come at this. Like three clips has an angle. There are other podcasts about podcasts. We have a distinct angle, which is that creativity is the sum total of lots of little choices. So on the show, we want to make those choices seem overt and obvious, you know, it's a deconstruction of an episode or of a whole show and three clips plays three clips. Like all these things go into the premise of the show, the format of the episode and the way the talent approaches it. Mm -hmm. So if you nail a premise, a format and have a good talent or at least a talent stewarding the premise and the format, you have the makings of an actual show. So I like the idea of authentic conversations. My little wrinkle on top of that is it's not as easy. And in other words, you need more of a strategy <laughs> yes. to create a show out of those conversations. Agreed. Yep. Uh, and that's how great content is, is made. Uh, let's go to the second clip here. The, this clip, just to tee it up, is from Jay Bear. You mentioned him very briefly when we're talking about Tom uh, and his clip. Jay's episode um, is is pretty chock full of sound bites, as is anything involving Jay Bear. But this particular soundbite is talking about measurement and how you can't you can't pay your employees with a certain vanity metric that we all love about podcasting. So let me just play that clip and then we'll talk about it after. What I see, especially in B2B, is people start a B2B podcast because they feel like they should. As you mentioned earlier, it's sort of like the new blog. Like, you know, we got to have a blog. Everybody else has a blog. And, and now it's like, I have a podcast. Everybody else has a podcast. Okay. And I think you should have a podcast, but be really, really clear on, on why and how you're going to measure success. Uh, and it can't just be listens. It can't just be downloads um, because you can't, you know, you can't pay your employees with downloads. So, so understand what you're really trying to achieve and then, and then measure the podcast and your satisfaction with it after a while based on that. Right. What I see a lot is people start a B2B podcast and they do it for six months and then they kind of reassess it and say, well, you know, we're not really sure what it's doing for us. So maybe we should stop doing it. Number one, it takes a long time to find an audience, right? So if you're out in six months, you're doomed to fail. And number two, you know, understand what it's really doing for your business. You know, look at, look at your spike in SEO, look at your spike in people mentioning the show to your customer success team. Like there's all these other signals that indicate that the show is doing something for your brand beyond just how many people downloaded the show. Okay. So thoughts, comments, concerns, I have notes, but I'll let you go (laughs) first here. Of course you have notes. Um, I I mean, two things. Uh, one, it hits close to home with me because, uh, you can't pay your employees with downloads that that was one of the reasons I'm here is, um, frustration with, with that as, as like the foundational metric. And then two, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, if you want to be in this, you need, a strategy and you've got to be willing to kind of try things and work it out and, um, and see how things work over time, not, not over one or two episodes or a couple of months. I, I struggle with this as, as one of those people that says stuff for a living. I'm like, (laughs) so over the soundbite of think long-term or Mm -hmm. focus on your audience or whatever, because while yes, lots of people who are new to this approach to marketing need to hear that. I get it it also um, stops becoming valuable really quickly to hear those things. And so when Jay starts talking about what essentially is, how does your show over here make this thing over there in your marketing work harder? I'm like, that's the next step in this. That's how we need to look at. It's not the podcast got this many downloads and therefore that many downloads turn into this many leads or sales. Like that's mm-hmm, a direct mm-hmm. marketing approach. To, Say it again for those in backed. <laughs> you cannot measure a podcast with direct marketing approaches, mm-hmm. period. Like it's not what it's for. So what Jay's hinting at is what is a podcast for? And so let me take it down to the single listener perspective. And I have a quick story from my time in venture capital to supplement this. So the the single listener perspective is I've spent 45 minutes to an hour this week or several hours this month with Jay Bear and his podcast. And then I see an article from him posted to LinkedIn. Are you going to feel differently about that LinkedIn article than if you hadn't spent hours with him? I would say so. The, The idea that everything we do has a direct response to it totally misses the value of developing a real relationship with humans such that you earn trust and in turn trust into love. 
Like trust is about showing up as promised, being reliable and competent. And love is imbuing that with emotional connection, which is a great way to use a show because it's a voice. So my story from venture capital that relates to this is we were talking to a natural food snack company. They sold like, you know, like healthy snacks and they were an e-commerce company. And we were thinking about, do we invest or not? And we were talking about their early marketing and they were like, yeah, what we found is that um, reaching out to bloggers in the health food space has been really valuable. You know, some might, some might call that influencer marketing, but they, they called it like blogger relations. So the, the blogger would write about the healthy food that they were providing through their snacks or their company at large. And we were like, and, and one of the investors I worked with asked about the sales generated through that approach. Classic marketer interpretation. You did a thing. What was the result for our sales? Mm-hmm. I'll never forget what the founder said. He said, well, there's some sales that we drive through that and some other direct benefits. But what we've really noticed is when influential bloggers write about us, our search traffic goes up. And so like, we don't have a chart to show you that like the investment in the blogging is directly responsible for the search traffic going up, but a little common sense and maybe some market testing will show us that we should continue investing and even invest more to work with these bloggers because long-term that's going to continue to help us with SEO. Like the links back to our site will drive organic traffic. The branded search terms will go up. We have opportunities to start targeting them um, and retargeting them and all these other things get easier. So what he was saying was it all works together. Mm -hmm. And just because a pixel can't be placed and a chart can't be generated instantly doesn't mean we shouldn't use our common sense to talk about this stuff internally. And so that's my punchline here is what Jay is talking about in his quote there was there's other ways to measure a podcast beyond downloads, but what he failed to mention, and I know he would admit this too, it just wasn't part of his quip, was you just have to be able to will, like tell the story of those things. There's not going to be a simple tracking solution. Um, maybe ever, maybe when Casted cracks this code and that's why I'm rooting for you guys, but like mostly y- you need to be able to tell the story about things working together in harmony and have a holistic approach. So I think that's how you go deeper than just saying, think long-term and care for your audience. Totally. I I couldn't agree more. It's it's the other half of of that equation, right? So if you think it's going to be a flash in the pan, I'm going to go record a few episodes and, you know, all the metrics are going to go through the roof. Or if you think that it's going to be directly attributable to any sale or any monumental event, you're, you're likely in it for the wrong reasons and your show is going, you're, you're going to be able to hear it in the show. So kind of going back to, to our last clip that we were talking about, if you seek first to engage an audience and to provide them real value, then you'll feel that in your show. And then what we're working to do at Cast It is to say, okay, but how do we measure that? There's got to be some way to measure that in a way that's um, that makes sense, that works for the brand and helps say, okay, is this something that is working? Because regardless of how you measure, do or don't measure it, nobody wants to be spending time and money and energy and brain power and bandwidth on something that's just not working or creating something that could work, but the, the content isn't as good as it could be, right? So what are those metrics that we measure and how can we make it easier to tell that story? Right. Handing out facts doesn't convince anyone of anything. So if you're using your data to try and craft the story, not a fabricated story, but an accurate portrayal of what you yourself know and have conviction around, this is working. It's emotional, visceral, etc. If you're trying to tell the story of what you're actually sensing and experiencing, data alone won't cut it, right? I love that you keep saying to tell the story, Lindsay, because it's like, it's it's about insights. That's what the power of data is. You rip out insights and it's about telling people through a combination of things, through FOMO, like others are outpacing us. Here's the data that shows that. And it's part of the story of FOMO through, uh, you know, wouldn't it, I think is it, oh shoot, Nancy Duarte maybe talks about this. I forget who exactly, it might be Nancy, where she talks about like, you can kind of imagine what is, to come. Like, what if this was better? What if this was next? Like, imagine what could be. Mm-hmm. And let's tell the story of what we're at now and see if there's a difference, see if there's a divide. How do we close that gap? And I think we as marketers, we're just so used to, in the digital age anyway, putting up a number to be like, we did this thing. Here's what the data said. It's like this boring reporting style meeting or slide deck. 
and we're not telling the story, which is bananas to me because we're supposed to be storytellers. <laughs> but we haven't had we haven't had the ingredients to to bake that cake. Right? We haven't had the we haven't had it. And so, you know, going okay, going back even further, like what if I had had casted and what, and what we're aiming to do at casted in my past role. And so when my CEO did say, love the show, I'm hearing such great things. What's it doing for the business? I could tell that story in a way that was true and, um, very, you know, authentic to what, what the podcast was, um, and aligned with the anecdotal, you know, feel good stuff that he and I were both hearing about the show and also said, and by the way, here's what's it actually doing for the business. Here's the tangible thing or things it's doing for the business. Or what if I went to my own team and said, hey guys, we're, we're hearing some really great things from this show, but it's it's falling short. Like we, we need to do better in this way or these two ways. And, and here's how I know that because this is, this is the data that we have and the story that it's telling me is that you know, we're strong here or we, we have this great opportunity, but we're just, we need to be better in these areas. That's what it's about. And that's what frustrates me a little bit too. It's it's uh, and I, I'm guilty of of positioning data and measurement like this as well. It's not just about making the case. It's not just about political jockeying. It's also about as a craftsperson, as someone who cares about the process and serving the audience, as somebody who wants to use the show if you host it to keep honing your voice and have a position of respect and trust in the industry. We're not able to see what's actually having impact. Like the point of measurement is to improve. It's not to say, oh, we measured it once. Do we continue it or not? I know that's part of it. But a lot of this is I just want to know know what's working and what's not and get better. Like I'd like to get better. Mm -hmm. So, and I know I'm not alone in that. And actually that's our third and final clip together. So this is from Heike Young, who is the original host, no longer the case, but the original host of Salesforce's podcast, The Marketing Cloudcast, one of the earliest B2B podcasts, at least that I could find in tech. And I think she says it better than than you or I have so far. So let me play that clip. And again, we'll come back and try to make sense of it as we end today. Here's Heike Young uh, of Salesforce, the former host of The Marketing Cloudcast. No. Anybody who's ever worked on a podcast knows <laughs> that measuring is kind of a moving target. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about how a lot has changed since I launched this podcast in 2015. So back in 2015, iTunes didn't even have that data yet on duration listened to. It was really mm -hmm. just downloads, you know, uh, countries in the world where people had listened from and it was really rough. If I were doing so today, I would not look, only look at downloads, but I would also look at um, certainly duration listened to. You know, this is something Jay Akunzo says all the time, get them to the end. That's the most important thing. What percentage are actually getting to the end? And if they're not getting to the end, there could be a couple things at play. It could be too long of content. It could be not resonant enough. There's some different things you could you could look into there. Um, I also did a number of listener surveys to just inquire what was what were some of the most interesting um, pieces of content to them. Uh, what were their favorite interviews as well as their least favorite. So it's hard, but you kind of gotta ask what don't you like <laughs> about this, and you'll get some really interesting answers. Um, and then I also measured success by a number of customer stories highlighted. So I wanted to make sure we had a sufficient number of those um, each quarter, as well as how it spawned off other content. So we talked about how this can be uh, the crux or the apex of a multifaceted content strategy. So just measuring how many other types of content that we were able to create uh, based on these interviews, which admittedly are kind of a high lift. So um, there's definitely a lot more, I think, that podcasters can look into for their specific business needs. No. There was a lot in there. Heike <laughs> uh, is a very smart marketer and strategist. And it's not just because she, it's not just because she called you out. Well, I was going to say that was really the primary reason why I actually, when I picked this, when I picked this clip, I didn't. Okay. This is going to show, I, I rushed the selection of this last clip. I knew it was going to be from Heike. I liked what she said at the beginning of that clip. And I was like, whatever she says at the end is fine. I had no idea. She actually, true story. Did not know she mentioned me in that. So hand to God, my, maybe, maybe my ego is just so out of control that it knew somehow. And that's why I, think, <laughs> I don't know. 
It's ironic that she talked about listening to the end and you missed her call out of you because you didn't listen to the end of the clip. See, that's why I keep people like you in my network because <laughs> as soon as my ego starts to feel itself, you're like, you're going to poke it and just diffuse it and it's great. So, all right. But, let's... but what she said, what she said is so true though. I mean, it's, it's, uh, and, and what you always say about it, it's, it's not about who, who gets to your content. It's about who stays with it and, and then therefore chooses your brand, right? And chooses to engage with you. And I think that there's so much um, value in looking at uh, these podcasts and all of your content, but we're, you know, we're talking about podcasts, looking at it from all angles and, and saying, okay, we, hey, we made this thing. What do you think? And, and asking that question in a lot of different ways, asking that question by looking at the data, asking that question by literally, I mean, you talk about surveys all the time. Heike mentioned surveys. We oh actually yeah. I love that. that you said surveys. Well, and we do, we do kind of a version of that, um, on our own podcast. So this is me talking about casted marketing casted. We, um, we use drift in our platform to in, interact with listeners while they're like listening to the show. And then also by, um, while they're listening to one show, kind of recommending a related show, like you might also like, and seeing how they interact with that. So it's, again, it's, 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 it's so meta because your podcast is a conversation. Hopefully it's an authentic one and it's done well, but it doesn't stop there. Like you need to go have another conversation with your audience to see how they, what they thought of your conversation and, and what they want more of and what they want less of and how, how they want to see it play out. Um, otherwise you're just in an echo chamber. What is, you know, Heike does speak to some frustration here and I'm wondering what is your philosophy, your opinion, casted as a whole on, on where this goes, because look, she said in a very concise way, but some people who are a little more cynical might see it as a little hand-waving. Like she said, like there's multiple benefits we looked at that up front as these are possible benefits and therefore we measured them. But what she's not saying is what I think like so many people around our listeners are demanding to see, which is like, well, what is the impact on the brand? Like give us the numbers, show us, give us the story anyway of the numbers. Um, Cause Heike was like, we're over here measuring this. Then we run over here and measure that. And again, I think it was largely smart, but it was very difficult to sum it up as, Hey, if you want more revenue, do a show, right? Like if you could say that, if you could be like, if you want to grow the business, grow the show. That's the Holy grail. And it's, it's not saying if you want to do it short term, I'm not saying that I'm not saying we're measuring revenue only in this quarter. I'm saying if you really want full control over what you should be doing as a marketer and also like how to improve and also the politicking never becomes an issue is you can very clearly and confidently say this show has an impact on revenue. Like invest more, please now. So how do how, do we get there? How do we get there? How are you thinking about this? I mean, how do we take Heike's very smart answer and make it more concise? Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually I'm looking. I, I need to stay focused on the microphone because I keep looking behind me at our at the whiteboard in my office because um, written on there and circled is, you know, how is it impacting the brand? Um, and that's one of our North stars, uh, certainly as we're developing product is to say, okay, how can we get closer and closer and closer to helping our customers know how their show and the content that's related to it is impacting the brand. And that's broad. And that means one thing is that that means a lot of things to a lot of different people. So how can we find that common denominator that what is impact? Um, how can we show that what you're doing is making an impact and how much of it? And so for us, I mean, that that's looking like providing data and also um, providing data that exists today, but then some new information. It's helping um, our, our customers to see, um, how it's working with other things. Like we're looking at some CRM integration. We're not there today, but it, we're, we're going to get there as far as, um, people who are in your CRM and are in your pipeline, how are they interacting with this content and how is it impacting the sales cycle? How is it impacting their experience as an existing customer? I mean, that's, that's all things that can be, that can be tracked and that we can start to help you tell a story. When we do X, Y happens. If that's a good thing, do more of it. If it's not a good thing, do something else. Um, and just getting to the point where we are able to help our customers tell that story. Um, it's so important. It's so important. And it's all data in, in one way, shape or form. I think there's like one underscored mentality shift that you're certainly in favor of that I'm, I'm trying to advocate for. And that's 
a lot of times marketers measure totals. Sometimes it's total activities. Oftentimes it's total people like download totals or total leads. But what we should really be measuring is value. And value requires us to measure a little bit longer term, not even that much, but a little bit longer term. And certainly it makes us more vulnerable because it's, it's easy to get more of stuff. It's easy to be like, we grew this many people in the database this month. It's pretty vulnerable to be like, and only 0.8% of them got to this point with us, bought the product, whatever the status is, right? Like it's hard to say the work we're doing isn't just optically great. It's really actually great. It's actually having an impact. Like having an impact is hard. Reporting activities and more stuff is easy. And so I think what we're advocating for people to do is to shift the focus from measuring totals to measuring value because ostensibly a show improves the value of every single person who encounters it. You know, it serves them more deeply and changes them for the better. And when they leave changed, it's not like they go with a banner that says by casted, but they espouse the philosophies. It's like, I always liken it to like a bee visiting a flower leaves with these like hints of pollen on it. And then when they visit the next flower, that flower receives some of the first flowers pollen. Like when someone spends 45 minutes with you or hours with you every month, I mean, my word, how hard is that to think about as a marketer? It's possible now with a show, they're going to leave somehow change for the better. Mostly it'll be in the dist in the background. It won't be overt right? But they will make this world possible. They will tell other people about the show or about the philosophies behind the show. They will start building the world with you that you'd like to do marketing in, that you'd like to build your business in. And so we talk about all these amazing human benefits of the show, like all this stuff I'm ranting about right now, but then we go and measure downloads, right? Right. I know. I know. It's so frustrating. I mean, it's, and that's, again, I mean, taking it back to how this whole thing started is that blew my mind as far as we have come so far. We have a long way to go as marketers, but we've come so far as in other areas, as far as what we measure, how we measure it, why we measure it, how we speak to things, how we engage with our current and potential customers. Yet with podcasting, we're somehow willing to stand by and say, oh, but you know, all you get is number of downloads. That's all. That's all. And uh, that's fine. Um, that just blew my mind. Um, and I just couldn't, couldn't, jive with that. That just didn't work for me. And so, you know, here we are trying to say, okay, what, what data do we have? And you know, something that we haven't talked about is the value of owning your audience. Um, and I know that you talk a lot about this too, Jay, is if you are giving control of your audience and their experience and how they consume your content exclusively to another entity, then you lose, you lose that control. It comes at a cost, right? So speaking specifically, what I'm saying is if you are exclusively publishing your show um, out to the big players, to Apple, Spotify, Google, you know, where a lot of people I'm sure are listening to this right now, that's great. That's awesome. But if you are, if that's the only place where people can find your show and that's the only place where you're directing them, then those entities own all of that data and they, they hold all the information that could help you become a lot better and more engaging and, and meet your, your audience where they, they want you to be and, and, and deliver the content that they want. Whereas if you direct them instead to uh, your owned real estate, to your own page and, and have them listen on your own website, you get a lot more information about how they're consuming your content. And that's not to be creepy or to, you know, turn this into a direct marketing thing. At least that's not my, that's not my goal and that's not the goal of Casted. But it's to say, hey, if you bring someone into your own home, onto your own website, into your own domain, you can understand what's happening, what's working well, what's not, you know, people really, really like this. They don't like this so much. They tend to be falling off here. They, they're coming from this, you know, geography, like all kinds of information is unlocked because you own the data. And so we're really advocating for that saying, yep, use, use the tools that are in front of you, use the opportunities to have a megaphone, um, and, and, and use Apple and Spotify and Google, but how else are you sending people to your own domain so that you can better serve them because they're able to give you more information. So that unlocks a lot more information too, um, that I think people aren't necessarily really thinking of yet. 
there's a difference between uh, where you publish and what you promote. Like publish to the channels, like, you know, it's whether it's video or audio, publish to YouTube, publish to all the different players like Apple and Spotify, because you want to be found. But when you go to promote, when you go to talk about it, when you give a speech and you're linking to it, when you are actively, you know, engaging with somebody one-to-one offline, when you're discussing where they can find it or all the cool stuff you're doing around it, and you should be, don't point them to Apple. Like if they go there on their own, great. Inside the show, and away from the show, what you should promote is something that you own because you're trying to build the best possible experience. Don't for a second allow the Apple or Spotify or any podcast experience on a player to be the best experience possible of your show. There's more value to be had if you go over to your website. There's more knowledge, more content, exclusive access, an email list, whatever. But that's what we're talking about. If we're gonna, if the whole point of a show is to go deeper, you don't just go deeper with the topics. That's part of it. You go deeper with the relationship, and you can't do that if that relationship is stuck on, you know, some distant app somewhere. Who, by the way, they don't care about you. Like we see it time and again. Facebook brand pages did this. Medium did this to bloggers. YouTube did this with their their paid subscription. Like time and again, third parties. Make it easy for you to publish there and give them free content so they don't have to staff an editorial team. Then they monetize the content. So their algorithms and their future business decisions will all be based on keeping you there. Keeping you on your show, maybe. Keeping you there at all costs, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I'm just sitting... I- sitting here nodding my head so much it hurt myself. It's um, it's so important. And it, that doesn't mean that it's bad. It's not either or. I mean, we're not saying, hey, like, you know, go boycott these these major players. Not at all. Um, it's also and. Like, go do that. I, I love that you said there's a difference between what, where you publish and what you promote. I, I couldn't agree more. It's go use the opportunities that are in front of you to amplify your voice. But ultimately when you have control, say, come on in, come to my home and I'm going to, I'm going to give you a great experience while you're here. Cause I own that experience. Thank you to Lindsay Chepkema, the co-founder and CEO of Casted and the host of the Casted podcast. Season two is now available wherever you listen. It's about the behind the scenes strategists and showrunners fueling shows built by brands ranging from Twitter to Drift and lots of companies in between. That's the Casted podcast or casted.us. Another shout out to Contently, who sponsored this episode. Contently has one of the most entertaining and insightful content strategy courses covering the end-to-end process of developing your audience. You can get this course for free at contently.com slash three clips. Form fill required. I'm Jay Akunzo, and I believe... Great marketing is not about who arrives. We're so focused on getting people to look our way on awareness. It's not about that. It's about affinity. It's not about who arrives. It's about who stays. So thanks for staying with me. And I'll talk to you this coming Monday on the next episode of Three Clips. Bye-bye. Here is this week's recommended read from the Marketing Showrunners blog. The title is Anthony Bourdain and the Journey to Extract the Best Episode Imaginable. So I wrote this post, and the reason I want to surface this is because for years now, I've had this name for an exercise that has been transformative for my shows and other people I've talked to when they make a creative-driven show. In other words, not just two people aimlessly talking. They put real thought into the craft. I've called this exercise an extraction. And I have no idea if this is a real thing, but in this post, I wanted to tell the story of when I spent some meaningful time with Anthony Bourdain's show on CNN, the late, great Anthony Bourdain, my storytelling idol, and I tried to rip out the underlying framework of his show and then use that in a different show that I created. So whether you're making an interview series or a narrative style show, a co-hosted show about business or a beautifully crafted story style series about culture we can all benefit from a better episode format to delight our listeners and get them to the end. That's our golden rule. Get them to the end. So check out this article. It's titled Anthony Bourdain and the Journey to Extract the Best Episode Imaginable. You can find the link at the bottom of your show notes or search the blog at marketingshowrunners.com.